stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, good afternoon, Alberta. Rob Breckenridge with you on this Monday afternoon. It is election day right across Alberta, municipal elections, although in conjunction with those municipal elections, we as Albertans are collectively voting on a few issues. Anyway, we'll touch on on all of that in this hour, eight o'clock tonight, our election coverage begins. And so we'll, we'll know, you know, the mayor's race, city council, all of that. The provincial matters will not be officially uh, counted and announced until a week from tomorrow. So some municipalities may publish those results, post those results tonight. Might have an idea where some of that stuff's going, but uh, just a heads up about all of that. Anyway, polls close at 8, get out and vote, and uh, we'll have full coverage of the municipal election coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, later in this hour, we're going to talk about Bitcoin. Uh, Ethan Liu is the author of a new book called Once a Bitcoin Miner, Scandal and Turmoil uh, in the Cryptocurrency Wild West. We've got a few other issues to get to as well. But off the top in this hour, fascinating new book about a, well, a pretty important historical figure. Also, to Christians, a pretty important figure, period. Uh, And it concerns the whole question of Jesus, who Jesus was, what he represented, what he believed, what he said. All of this is at the core of Christianity. But clearly, Christians uh, don't necessarily see eye to eye uh, on some of these important questions. Our next guest says that that much of what Jesus Christ stood for and represented has been either forgotten, overlooked, or misrepresented by many Christians today. He addresses these issues in a new book. It's called The Rebel Christ. Michael Corrin is an ordained uh, minister in the Anglican Church of Canada, the author of 17 books, four of them bestsellers, award-winning columnist as well, broadcaster, and uh, joins us on the line here this afternoon, Michael Korn. Good to talk to you again. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Uh, as mentioned, you've written numerous books. Obviously, you've written about many topics pertaining to religion and Christianity. But what, what got you interested in this topic of, of Jesus himself? Well, about eight years ago, I mean, you know, we've known each other a while. About yes. eight years ago, I had quite a, a change of life. Uh, I don't want to get too religious on you, but sort of a <laughs> conversion, really, and um, embrace what I think is a a more authentic Christianity, and uh, it changed me in, in all sorts of ways. And many years later, I was a- approached by a publisher because I'd written many columns about this sort of thing over the years. And, you know, why don't you put a book together? And I did. And this is something, look, I know probably most people listening may, might not have any religious belief. That's not my business. The issue is not saying that some people are wrong. The issue is clearing up some of the mythology about Christianity, because if you ask most people today, what it, who are Christians? What did Jesus stand for? If they do have a view, it may well be one that it's very conservative. Abortion, uh, homosexuality, equal marriage, uh, on the right on many issues, vaccines, mask wearing. It's not a pretty picture. Now, I realize that's a generalization, but that's a very common view, and it's it's, it's not a strange one, because if you look at where the noise is made in the church, and I, I would argue with all due respect, particularly in, the, in Western Canada, it, it does seem to be from people on the conservative wing of Christianity. That is not the first century Jewish son of a carpenter living in an occupied country who stood with the marginalized and the poor and the rejected and the powerless 
And when he did have criticism for people, criticized the wealthy, materialistic, the legalistic, the powerful, and the rigid, he was very socialistic, very communal in his lifestyle. He spoke about equality, human as well as holy equality. He spoke about redistribution of wealth. Um, he said, turn the world upside down in a, an act of revolutionary love. It's solidarity with people. It's certainly, certainly not conservative. It's not about bolstering up a capitalist system. It's about something which is incredibly progressive, not in a, a prosaic, banal, what party do you belong to sort of way, but in a, an incredibly human way. But it is a permanent revolution of love, and that's not reform. That is changing the world. Right. And as you say, I mean, those questions are very relevant to Christians and what Christianity is and what it should stand for, because, of course, Jesus is is central to that. I I think for non-Christians, I mean, Jesus Christ as as a figure, as a historical figure, is is a fascinating one, is a significant one, because you're right. I think once you, you sort of, for the moment, take the religion out of it and just look at who this person was and what he represented, I mean, it was pretty radical. It was pretty revolutionary, wasn't it? Oh, look. Um, he did exist. Uh, we, we have lots of non-Christian testimony to his existence. Whether you believe he was a son of God or not is an issue of faith. Right. I think there's some evidence, but it's really an issue of faith. I'm not here to argue people into believing. That's not what the book is about. The book really takes on a lot of the issues such as abortion, equal marriage, economic justice, equality, and it looks into Scripture, what would Jesus, sometimes what would the Old Testament has said about these things? Abortion, for example. I, I guarantee, if you ask most people, what do Christians believe about abortion? Well, they're very much against it. Why? Well, Jesus must have been against it. He doesn't mention the issue at all. He doesn't mention homosexuality at all. And in fact, in the Old Testament, there's a couple of places where abortion is commanded. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm saying there is no prohibition against it. But that's become a key defining issue of contemporary Christianity, which is ridiculous. Jesus talks a great deal about love, about the poor, about the inequality of the world. He speaks about sin as well. Of course he does. I mean, this is not just, a, a, I believe, a human figure, but to paint him as a, a figure of the right a figure of conservatism, that's actually sinful. That's actually heresy. I would, I would go so far as to say that. I know that might sound bold, but it is heretical, it is sinful to use Jesus as a figure to hold your conservative views together, to give them a, a, a religious coat. That is so extraordinarily wrong. What are the implications of that? And because I think you're right in, in that much of this is a more modern phenomenon, and a lot of it comes from from uh, the more evangelical side of, of Christianity. Did did this did this begin? I mean, is this traceable to to a certain point or to a certain movement within Christianity? That's a, it's a very good question. I mean, there's there's always been a division, and I would say it happened very early when state and church rather mingled, and that goes back centuries. But you can see the new Christian right emerging as recently as the 1960s, uh, particularly after Roe v. Wade in the 70s as well. That's when the Catholic right got involved. But as the 1960s progressed and we developed a more permissive society, and I say it in a positive way, more open, more progressive, more tolerant, there was a reaction, particularly in the United States, which is very, very American, quintessentially American, actually. And it moved from the U.S., the southern U.S. generally, into the north, 
into Canada and then into Western Europe. And it was a reaction to what people, some Christians saw in the evangelical world, to a decay of society. It wasn't a decay. It was giving people more rights, more equality. But I think it, that new society rather frightened them. It simply wasn't what they had been used to in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. And so they had to react against it. And if they could make it religious, if they, if they could give a religiosity to their opposition. The Republican Party was not a party of religion until fairly recently. The idea of evangelicals representing 30% of the Republican Party would, would have been laughable concept not that long ago. But today, I mean, Donald Trump, a man who, let's be honest here, no one believes Donald Trump is a religious figure, a figure of great moral values. Mm-hmm. He adopted all of that almost overnight when he wanted to, to win the Christian vote and become president. And, and good Lord, it worked. So this has now become not a side issue, but a very important one, a central one in the U.S. And in Canada, we saw in the last election, it's still not the major issue. But the People's Party, a, a great deal of their vote with the Christian right. We have in the Conservative Party in this country, federally, the majority of the Conservative caucus voted against banning conversion therapy, which is defined internationally by many people as torture. The majority of the Conservative caucus voted against banning it. Why? Because of the influence of the Christian right. So Canadians who want to think, oh, it's just the Americans. Yes, it's much worse in the US, but it exists in Canada too. I mean, we do see struggles within other religions between various forces, and perhaps even in some circumstances, moderate versus maybe more fundamentalist forces. I think those looking into the outside might have a preference in terms of who prevails in that struggle, but ultimately we can't be theological referees. I, I, I mean, you know, you present a compelling case, and, and I'm sure, you know, an, an evangelical could provide a, a compelling case the other way. I mean, it really ultimately is up to, to Christians to sort out for themselves, isn't it? Well, to a degree. I mean, you're quite right. Uh, within Islam, of course, there's, there's an enormous battle going on between uh, a distorted version, uh, which leads to, to violence and terror, and what I think is a more orthodox Islam, which is, is much more peaceful and, and, and ecumenical. But I'm not an expert on that issue. You're right, individual Christians must make up their own minds. But when... I mean, Christianity is a personality cult, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. I mean, I, this is the center of my life, for goodness sake. But it's around the personality, the person, the persona, and the teachings of Jesus. Now, if you can show me where Jesus calls for hatred, brutality, um, picketing abortion clinics, screaming at people because they happen to be born gay, opposing equal rights, if you can show me where Jesus the center, the foundation of your faith says that, then we can talk about it. But I can guarantee you, you will not find that. But I can show you passage after passage, text after text, where Jesus calls for peace, for turning the other cheek, for understanding, for removing the past and building a new future, a new world. He has been distorted. The person who was crucified for his bold statements and his bold actions has been twisted into a figure who supports Donald Trump, who supports the People's Party of Canada, um, who is obsessive about uh, denying COVID and, and, and resisting vaccination. That, that, that's outrageous.
Well, and, and it, it cuts the other way, though, because I, I think there's a perception then, uh, and, and maybe now that you, you perhaps reside on, on a different part of the political spectrum, you can attest to this, that there is that perception then that for people who believe in those, those issues of social justice, that, that Christianity is not for them. Yeah, I, that, that's extremely accurate. I gave a, a speech a few years ago to the Broadbent Institute, which is, I suppose, a think tank in many ways of the left in this country. And I spoke about the social gospel, about Christianity and the left. And I went into the room, and it was, there were a lot of people there, and I thought, why did I agree to do this? <laughs> I really thought they were going to throw things at me. <laughs> yeah. at, at the end of 45 minutes, I got a standing ovation. Uh, it was always said, for example, the Labour Party in Britain owed more to Methodism than to Marxism. There is a natural alliance, actually, between... Uh, the left, I mean the moderate, moderate left, I don't mean Marxism, but the moderate left, uh, social democrats, progressive parties, a natural alliance between them and Christianity. It's not party political, but Christianity does involve, demands a call for change. It's not just about looking at the poor and marginalized and saying, isn't that a shame, we'll pray for them. It's about making sure they aren't the poor and the marginalized. It's something which takes individual transformation we have to change that's what christ that's what jesus demands of every one of his followers of everyone who wants to be part of him you have to change you have to stand with those who are going without the reading just a week or so ago in all anglican and catholic churches a wealthy young man says i've been moral i've been good i've kept commandments what do i do now to follow you what did he say sell everything give it to the poor and the guy effectively says, uh, is there anyone else I can talk to? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, this is not easy stuff. And right. whenever you present this, people, they want, well, is, is there another way to understand that, to interpret it? No, this is tough. It's challenging. It's difficult. It, as, once again, it is revolutionary, but you can't get around that. The rebel Christ, that's who he was. Well, that's the name of the book, officially available as of tomorrow, The Rebel Christ. Michael Corrin, thank you so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Anytime. My pleasure. All the best. Uh, that is uh, Reverend Michael Corrin. Uh, his latest book is called The Rebel Christ, officially available as of tomorrow. Well, we've got much to get to here still this afternoon. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.